Brew Strong is brought to you by Blickman Engineering, home of the top-tier brewing stand. Visit them online at BlickmanEngineering.com. Brewers, it's time for the beer radio you've been looking for. This is the show that dispels myths, tackles the toughest topics, and makes no apologies for geeking out on beer. Hosted by two guys that drink before they think. Jamil Zainashev and John Palmer. This is Brew Strong. Hey, hey, howdy, hey, my <laughs> brothers and sisters. <laughs> greetings, greetings. <laughs> You want to try that? We got a minute left on the intro. You want to try that again? No, no, that was fun as it Here, was. Let's log out and log back in. Uh, log- uh, All right, hold on. Uh, uh, uh. Greetings, greetings. Hey, howdy, hey, my brood and brothers and sisters. All right, we're back. Welcome <laughs> to Bruce Strong. <laughs> I'm keeping that in there. Ah, yes. Another fine day of drinking and doing shows. (laughs) It's all very professional. Yes, we are, but we love what we do. (laughs) We love who we do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, How's it going, Palmer? Oh, it's going very well. Going very well, indeed. Despite the wind and... uh you know, the, That's a, you eating a lot of beans, or what kind of wind are you talking about? Uh, I'm talking about the fifty mile, fifty to ninety mile an hour. Wow, gales. That, well, yeah. that's really explosive. Yes. Did, you, did your underwear survive those fifty to ninety mile an hour gales? Why, yes, they did. <laughs> Look like an old pirate flag. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's the kind of quality programming you come to expect from the Brewing Network. Speaking of quality, especially from Bruce Strong. <laughs> Speaking of quality, huh? Huh? Hey, Blickman Engineering. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's not your usual left field, but it's right. I just wait for a word that fits, and then I go for it. <laughs> Speaking of quality, our great sponsor, Blickman Engineering. They're pr- producing quality equipment, quality, innovative products to make your brewing day better. Yeah, innovate your brew day. Innovate your brew day. It's Somewhere I heard that. It was fantastic. Yeah, fantastic marketing. Yeah, I, re- I recognize that. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, they they uh, they do make great innovative products that actually uh, will make your brew day easier, better, faster, stronger. It's like the six million... Blickman, John Blickman is like the six million dollar man of the brewing right. equipment scene. Yeah. Yeah, he makes that noise. Every time he, he runs in like slow motion. Yeah, Have you seen yeah. him? Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. He looks somewhat like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Steve Austin. Steve Austin, yes, yes. yes the yeah. $6 million man. Did you ever see the... Um, the uh, <laughs> As we digress. <laughs> yeah. 
No, the Duck Dodgers show where he had Steve Austin and <laughs> and Jamie Summers on. In the 24th and a half century? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Duck Dodgers. Oh, yeah, well, that was a beautiful episode. Yeah, that's they, totally they, pertinent to what we're talking about. <laughs> no, thank you, thank you very they, much for that sidetrack. They side even have yes. Bigfoot on there, or is, you know, the guy from Maintenance. I mean, it was just, it was a hoot. So if you if, if you enjoy this show. <laughs> you hear that, Jamil? <laughs> Grandma over here calls it a hoot. Right. Yeah. Get Grandma his ass can. this show. <laughs> Sorry, John. I don't know why you'd enjoy the show, but if you do, <laughs> you'll contact Blackman Engineering and tell them thank you for sponsoring John's <laughs> random <Duck> segues <laughs> onto a total bypass of, of where the show's going. Well, I, uh, you know, Grandma's getting up there. Yeah, he's getting a little old. You know, what do you expect? All right. So today we're going to do a uh, live Q&A show. So if you're listening live to the show, what that means is you can go into the uh, into the chat room uh, on the Brewing Network site, thebrewingnetwork.com. Uh, there's a button there, chat now. You click on that. It takes you in. You don't need uh, any particular username or password at all. Just type in whatever name you want to appear on the screen. Uh, join the chat, and you can type, and uh, uh, there's other people listening to the show. JP will see your question. If you have a question that is in English and makes <laughs> half halfway sense, he will ask us those questions. We have a lot. You can also email in your questions to uh, the Bruce Strong at thebrewingnetwork.com, and we'll get all those. You'll get an automated response, but we save every single one of those, and we go through those. Every time we're doing one of these Q&A shows and we print out a bunch and uh, we'll read those as well. So eventually, within the next 10 years, we will get to your question. I well, promise you. <laughs> Either yeah. that will be dead. So one or the other. All right. So what's our uh, first question of the day? Oh, he's going to the email. He's going, going to the email. email. Right from email. This is from Jim in Bloomington. Jim in Bloomington Minnesota. writes from email. Uh, Jim is confused about the pitching rate for dry yeast. According to the Mr. Multi pitching calculator. Oh, that fucking thing. Uh, we, but you can access it at MrMulti.com. For free. For free. For a five-gallon batch of 1050 ale, he says, I need 700... Oh, excuse me. Wow. 175 billion cells. Yes. According to Mr. Multi. Yes. It also states that um, I get the needed cell count from 10 grams of mm-hmm. proper, mm-hmm. properly rehydrated dry yeast. Mm-hmm. But according to the spec sheet for Safe mm-hmm. Ale US05, mm-hmm. there are 6 to the 10 by to the 9th power. That's 6 billion. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Living cells per gram of dry right. yeast. Which is interesting because I've measured the amount of cells per. Uh, gram yeah. of the Safale USL5, and I came up with 20 billion. Now, that's not necessarily living cells. Now, here's the, here's the interesting thing. Well, here, uh, just two more sentences. Okay. Oh. Um, if my math is correct, that's 6 billion living cells per gram, uh-huh. or 66 billion living cells per 11 gram package. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Going by the Safale spec sheet, I would need almost three packages of dry yeast right. to get 175 bill. Right. What am I missing? All right, so, and this question comes up a lot. It's like, well, you know, manufacturer says it's six or five or eight or ten, and you say twenty, and here's all the factors that come into effect: the weight of the yeast, mm-hmm. the weight of the non-yeast material that they include in the dry yeast to keep the cells from sticking together. Interesting. And the viability upon rehydration, right, or on sprinkling on top of your wort. 
Does anybody still do that? <laughs> well, they shouldn't. If you if you go to that same manufacturer site and you look at the the homebrewer recommendation or the pro recommendation, the homebrewer recommendation says just sprinkle it on top of your wort. Right? The pro recommendation says rehydrate properly at you know whatever temperature and you know then pitch that. When you take yeast, dry yeast, and sprinkle it on your wort, about half of it dies. So half of that yeast you throw in there is dead. You could avoid that by properly rehydrating. You can get, you know, 90, 95% rehydration success. So right there, you're just about doubling the amount of yeast you need. So six becomes 12. Mm-hmm. Now it's also, you know, how long the thing's been sitting, if it's sitting warm versus refrigerated, viability has, right. has an effect. Again, any sort of material that might be added to help the the cells stay, you know, calcium stearate or something right, like that. Right. Um, so all that stuff has an, another effect. I think it's possible to get twenty billion cells out of that. Mm-hmm. Now they may not all be viable, but that's why we have viability calculations, or why you do viability calculations yourself. The important thing is you should be rehydrating it properly, proper yes. temp, and all that stuff. Um, you know, I would be fine with instead of using twenty billion, you use fifteen billion, or even ten billion. You can double the amount of yeast you pitch and not hurt your beer. Right. But if you cut the amount of yeast you do in half from what it should be, then you're really screwed. Well, not really screwed, but it's not going to turn out as good. There's much more leeway on the upper side. So maybe the yeast calculator should use like 10 billion and just call it good. But you don't just need to use quite as much yeast. And the point is don't sprinkle it on there because you're going to put a bunch of dead yeast in there and that's why you're going to get your your autolyzed uh, flavors. flavors, and that's why everybody talks about, oh, you need to rack it off the the yeast because you know after a week it's all going to give these horrible flavors. Yeah, because you're throwing half dead yeast in there. Right. You know, it's like old old school. Come, um, to, the, come to the new age. A follow up question from Jeepin Jeepin in the chat asks, Ooh, how do you properly chat. rehydrate dry yeast? It depends on the on the yeast manufacturer, but generally, um, it's a you know like. You know, 250 mils of water or whatever it might be uh, for, you know, X amount of grams of yeast and, um, you know, proper temperature. You can use uh, like GoFirm or one of these uh, yeast rehydrating agents to help it. But it's generally tap water. You mm-hmm. don't want to use distilled. You don't want to use some sugary wort. Um, you can use one of those uh, rehydration agents that they use for because winemakers do a lot of dry yeast, and you can get a uh, they have agents that help with the rehydration. Mm. Um, you get those from you know, your your temperature your home, should be shop. depends on the yeast, and the manufacturer should list a temperature for you. Some of them are you know lower than traditional. I think. Um, I'm not sure, but I've seen some like down in the 70s, 80s. Oh, really? But most of them tend to be from 90 to 105 or 110. Okay. It just depends on the yeast strain, and they should, the manufacturer <coughs> should have done tests and, you know, compared side by side every five degrees and go, well, this one, you know, gives us the most, and that's the temperature you should use. Okay. Yeah. So it should work just fine. Uh, a lot of this is in the yeast book by, uh, Dog meat. Home, home, homeboy and dog meat. Yes. Homeboy and dog meat. Yes. I'm going to go back to the email. I'm going to read you the old email bag. 
reaching into the email bag. This is from Charlie from Pittsburgh with an H. He made a point to capitalize the H. Oh, so he's not Pittsburgh from Pittsburgh, California. Uh, hey, guys. I'm a beginning brewer who has learned a lot from your books and podcasts. I'm starting to brew a variety of styles to find the ones that I like. I want to follow your recommendation on how to repitch yeast. Can you recommend series of beers that I can brew one after the other and repitch the yeast from those batches? Make each one in a series uh, different enough to be interesting. Also, for styles like a Maybach or a barley wine that pretty much require a five-gallon starter, what would you brew so the starter is worth drinking? Thanks. Hmm. <laughs> well, see, here, here's the interesting thing is, all this information's out there. You have to do this work yourself. I'm not going to give you a list. I get this question all the time. I'm not going to give you a list of what to brew for the next two years. I mean, it's just just not going to happen. I find that, you know, I don't like this question. It's like, all right, you, you know, You're I like that you brewer. asked it, but, yeah. yeah, you need to learn the, you know, what yeast strains are used and what styles. You need to learn what styles they are. You need to kind of, you can do this. I mm-hmm. know you can. There's, um, we got the, the original Jamel show. We got, we go through every style and talk about every little last as- aspect of what yeast you can use. But you should be able to find all your English beers that use all English yeasts. And you should be able to sort those yourself from, you know, based on IBUs and color and gravity and stuff like that. And, you know, you can do those in that order. You know, you can do the same thing on a lager yeast. You can do the same thing on a clean ale yeast like, you know, 001. And you should be able to do those. And, um... But it's basically light to dark, right? I mean... uh, Not necessarily. I mean, it's a high gravity. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um... And I, I'm not sure it's it's quite so important. I, I would... Yeah, I mean, stone is an example of that. Right. You know, if you... Uh, you know, as long as you're doing it quick, you know, right after fermentation's done, if you move into the next beer, I, I wouldn't be quite as freaked out about, mm. you know, um, all that. It, it's certainly better if you go lower gravity, higher gravity, lower IBU to higher IBU, lower color to higher color. But... Um, you know, you should be able to sort those out and, and figure that out on your own. Um, and I think it's a good challenge. And, and there's a lot of leeway and flexibility in it. So you don't want somebody prescribing for you, you know, all the beers that you should do. I think you should, uh, you know, give it a shot. And, uh, you know, you'll you'll learn something as well. So. Yep, I agree. I hate to, hate to be a hate to be spoil sport. Spoil sport. A bastard about it. Uh, but, uh, let's do one quick one. We'll maybe we'll take a break. Okay. What do you think? If you say so, Dad. Do look, one quick one. We'll look, you break. respect me. I may not be your father, but uh, your mother you and I love each like, other. hit me like so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mother and I love each other very <laughs> deeply. Right. This is from uh, your best buddy, Pete, in Sydney. I called him Pete, even though Pete. I don't think he likes it. Oh. He wants to know, should he put Whirlflock in the boil for a Belgian wit? Uh, you certainly can. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, Good yeah, world flock effect affects protein as opposed to starch, starch haze. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, in a lot of in a wit, you get some starch haze, but a lot of it's mm-hmm. yeast haze. Right. I, yeah, I, you could, but why? You don't have to. No. You can. Right. Um, you know, flavor effect shouldn't really be an issue. Yeah. So. All right. There you go. We're done. All right, let's take a short break, and when we come back, we will do more of your questions from the chat and from the email. Back after this. When you hear-
Senior Blickman Engineering. Think innovation, passion, quality, and customer service. Blickman Gear is designed by brewers to give you a sense of pride in your equipment. At Blickman, they know what makes brewing a pain and build gear that makes it fun. Like the Intuitive Beer Gun, a completely different approach to filling bottles. The Therminator Wart Chiller, a new take on a plate chiller that's sized for flow, performance, and the high groundwater temps homebrewers face every day. The Brewmometer, a brilliant weldless thermometer design with brewing parameters right on the dial. The Auto Sparge, ultimate simplicity for preventing an overflow or running your mash tun dry. And much more, like the modular top-tier brewing stand, conical fermenters, and their boiler maker brew pots. With more cutting-edge equipment coming soon, keep up with the latest from Blickman at BlickmanEngineering.com and stay on the cutting edge. Hi, this is Push from the Brewing Network, and I want to tell you about the Brewmaster's Warehouse and how you can get 10% off your next order. I'm a pretty techie guy, but I've never seen an online store like this. It's awesome. Go to brewmasterswarehouse.com and click on Brew Builder. You can whip up a custom recipe so easily even Sven could do it. Seriously, it's slick. You can share your recipe with your own logo and notes to the Brewmaster's database if you want. And the best part, it keeps a running tally of the beer you're building while you're doing it. Then, bam, click Buy Recipe and your cart is filled and ready to go with helpful suggestions in case you forgot something. This thing is amazing. Brewmaster's Warehouse is run the way a home brewer would do it with great service, fast turnaround, and $6.99 flat rate shipping. Brewmasters Warehouse and the Brew Builder blew me away. Check it out today at brewmasterswarehouse.com. I'm serious. And don't forget to put BN Army in the discount code box for 10% off your order. Check out brewmasterswarehouse.com. Cheers. A heretic is anyone who does not conform to an established attitude, doctrine, or principle. If you love craft beer, you're already a heretic. The very first thing we did when we started looking at the beers that we would brew, we got rid of all those recipes. We started from scratch. We've been pilot brewing the most creative things that we could think of and the most interesting things. We've completely gone away from style. Heretic Brewing Company is opening this spring in Pittsburgh, California, and you can be a part of it. Visit hereticbrewing.com and facebook.com slash hereticbrew. Get the latest updates on the brewery and upcoming beers. Show everyone how you celebrate great beer as a heretic. It's a fairly powerful word. Being a heretic, that means you're not settling for ordinary beer. You are going with flavorful, creative, bold, interesting beers. A heretic is looking for the best beers out there. Be a heretic. Don't drink ordinary beer. Since the first time the Brewing Network microphones turned on, more beer was behind it. More Beer sponsors the programming on the BN because, like you, they love brewing. And like the Brewing Network, they love sharing their knowledge. Morebeer.com isn't just a website to place your next equipment or ingredient order. Morebeer.com also gives you access to free beer information that will make you a better brewer. Go to morebeer.com and click into the Learning Center. You'll find podcasts, technical facts, video tutorials, and more, including access to The Buzz, 
is More Beer's social network of more than 5,000 members. And some of them might even be crazier about beer than you are. Get over to morebeer.com today and take advantage of the buzz, the forum, the learning center, and make sure you're signed up to receive the newest More Beer catalog. More Beer, bringing you absolutely everything for beer making. Back to the two guys that know how to turn beer into beer. This is Brew Strong. All right. We're back. We're doing a live Q&A show. Me oh, and my buddy, John Palmer. Thank you. Thank you very much. Did you know... Did you know? Let's see. Any of these any good? Let's see here. <laughs> well, you blow the whole premise now. <laughs> now everyone's going to know. Yeah, well, you don't know about my friend John Palmer. That he writes these himself? Or? <laughs> no. no. He has writers. <laughs> now he once, uh, once lost his sombrero in a tornado. Once lost a sombrero in a tornado. Aye, 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 aye. That's exactly what he said. Mm-hmm. It was. He once made a tornado change directions just by looking at it, but that sounds very... What? Impossible? Dos Equis. <laughs> well, you've insulted your rider. I don't always drink beer, but when I do... <laughs> I do. Yeah. I prefer drink it with a, Drink it with a sombrero. I don't always drink beer, so don't listen to a thing I say about it. Right. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. What do, we, what do we got? We got, uh, this is from Justin. Ah, oh, well, you But not he... our job. Oh. Uh, Demir, Jamil, and John, first of all, thank you for sharing your blah, 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 blah. I've listened well, to you guys. Well, that sounds like Justin. Yada, yada, yada. That sounds like Justin. Um, I've been bottling from the keg for years, going along with the cap on foam method to prevent oxidation. No matter how much I try to cap on foam, I always feel like I'm doing it wrong. So instead of going down the same path, I decided that since I have control over the fill levels in my bottles, why don't I cap on beer? Will this pose any negative effects on my beer? To me, it seems the less headspace, less chance of oxidation, so why not just get rid of the headspace entirely if you have the means to? I've started to do this method so the beers I'm trying this on aren't old enough yet to tell whether there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Another reason to me that this seems okay is the thought that cans are a better package, and one of the benefits being uh, of a can is that there's less headspace in there. Just interested on your thoughts. Thanks for all you do, Justin. I don't know why I had to mock Justin, but it's a good Well, question. right. I, I think one of the things on... Um, do you suppose headspace is all aesthetic? <laughs> I, I, I do think so. I think um, the only other thing is, um, <coughs> you know, in the day when caps weren't lined... You don't mm-hmm. want your beer touching the cap and making it rust. And True. So, you know, they're lined caps now. Um, I'm not sure how much that's going to help. A couple of interesting things is... Um, they you know, do the, say that the liners leak oxygen. Mm-hmm. So it's. I don't think it's really going to change the amount of oxidation. I think that if you have beer full to the top and it's running over the top lip of the bottle and then you cap, I mean, 
maybe you have a pathway there for bacteriological. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's that's a possibility. I I think I believe that there was one. I believe I can fly. Yeah, but I believe there's one. You know, uh, study done, or you know, some people did an experiment where they said that beer with you know, three quarters inch of headspace carbonated uh-huh. faster than beer with a quarter inch of right, headspace. Right, that's for you know bottle condition. But I'm assuming yeah. that they're talking about uh, counter pressure filling, or, yeah, you know, filling yeah. carbonated beer. Right. So, uh, yeah, in the case of, in the, if you're doing that, if you're if you're bottling already carbonated beer, right? Yeah, I'd probably fill it right up. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think it helps you any. Hmm. I don't think you're you're not gaining anything. It's not coming through the glass. Yeah, that's right. And if you are capping on foam, you know, right. then that that headspace is cleared anyway. I think more important, you get yourself a Blickman beer gun. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and then you can flush the bottle with CO2, and then you can fill in a nice, quiescent manner. Quiescent, that's been And the then, days. you know, the fill levels are proper, and that's just, that's how I do it, and I, it's it's not an yeah. issue. You don't want foam shooting at the right. top. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't see an advantage to to filling all the way with beer, because right. that headspace is filled with carbonation, or you know, especially if you're capping on foam. Yeah. Um, you know, not not an issue. I think if uh, you know commercially, if 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 it was better to fill bottles all the way, they would. Right. But um, I know I would. Hmm. But we're capping on foam. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I, I I think you know part of it may be aesthetic, you know, in terms of a commercial right. beer, you know, see that level and right, and, uh, right. Yeah, so if you, I think the bigger question is if if he did he say he was filling from like a piece of hose or something like that? Uh, he didn't really say. He just uh, filling from keg. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. If you're filling from like a hose or something like that, then that's fucked up. That's you know, use a, a decent piece of equipment. You can use you know regular counter pressure fillers; those work fine. Look, mm-hmm. beer guns easier um, yep. to use, especially if you're doing a bunch. And it's you know it, it does every bit as good a job. So um, I would just go with that. I, I don't think you're really going to do any better than that than a. But commercially, when, when bottles are filled, there's long tube fillers, short tube fillers. Mm-hmm. And long tube, the the tube goes all the way to the bottom of the bottle, and they flush it out with CO two from the bottom, and so it's mm-hmm. devoid of air. The short tube, what they do is that the short tubes can run faster, is why they have short tube because it can go in the bottle quicker. And then uh, what they do is they vacuum out the air and fill it with CO two, and vacuum out the air and fill it with CO two. Uh, but you never get quite all the oxygen out, so that's one of the reasons long tube is better. Uh, but long tube's slower. Um, so a Blickman is like a long tube filler. You right. pass it down to the bottom of the bottle. You inject CO2 from the bottom of the bottle up, and um, it flushes all the air out. And so, you know, it's it's just every bit as fast as any other kind of kind of pressure filler you're going to use. So, short tube, long tube in a in a can filler doesn't make a difference, but uh, it does flush all the CO2 out. And then you know you're filling. There should be very low oxygen levels in a in a Blickman beer gun filled bottle. That's right. So <laughs> just like a long tube filler on a commercial scale, and that's what we use. And we I think we have low oxygen levels. So let's go back to the chat. Beer biggin. 
Biggins. Bear Biggin likes should, big hot bombs. Should, oh, should be Biggins. Show me your bombs. Uh, I use Promash and hit my numbers all the way, pre-boil, evaporation, etc. But when I move my chilled wort to the fermenter, my gravity is usually high, approximately uh, by 10 points. Is the refractometer sensitive to big hops? No. Short answer. Love it. Love a short answer. It makes mm-hmm. me happy, but then frustrated because I don't have a question to come back up with it. Um, this is also from the chat. Iconis. Uh, question. I've been doing some fermenting under pressure in pinlock kegs, but I want to do it much more like a commercial brewery. I've heard in previous shows that some breweries cap their fermenters after the growth phase and whatnot is done. But my question is, generally, what is the hydrostatic pressure before they cap their fermenters? I'm using a spunding valve and want to adjust my pressure accordingly. Hmm. I've just been half-assing it. Yeah, it's not right after growth. It's later in fermentation than that. Usually it's after after the main fermentation yeah, after is peak. yeah yeah i right. i almost i think that a that the commercial breweries that do you know cap the fermentation mm-hmm. to capture co2 and naturally carbonate well they're not measuring hydrostatic they're measuring yeah. they're measuring gravity and pressure yeah but yeah, i mean I think they'll check gravity is their their key i don't i don't think they're doing it out of any Beer purity, I think they're doing it. You know, may as economics, right? Faster, yeah, faster turn of the beer. So, and therefore, I don't see any reason for a home brewer to try to replicate it. I agree. You know, uh, it's one thing we're running into is like, well, you have a fermenter, and you need to fill that fermenter to the freaking maximum it'll hold that you can safely ferment. Yeah, and you need to. The moment that beer is done, you know, to the level of quality that is important, you drain that thing and you fill it back again, <laughs> and yeah. that's that's our limiting factor. And um, if you're not going to do that, then if that is important to you, then you shouldn't be following commercial stuff. That's that's one of the things that always pissed me off and still pisses me off is. Home brewers going like, well, you know, the commercial brewer does this, so that's why I should do it. It's like, no, 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 no. You yeah. shouldn't. You shouldn't do that. That's correct. Um, it's like fermentation temperatures. It's like so many things. It's like the reason that the commercial brewer is doing it because you know the scale of the equipment dictates it, or you know, the economy uh, or the it. economy of it dictates it. You know, you, you just can't. Uh, I can't make you know the homebrew evil twin. I have right. to make. The commercial equivalent and the do sellout. things different. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's just physically impossible. Yeah. I mean, when I'm when I'm talking to people about you know that have never considered brewing before, and I'm mm-hmm. telling them, you know, yeah, you can brew any beer you can buy. In fact, you can brew better beer than you can right. buy right. because we're not as a home brewer, you're not held right. to the same restrictions mm-hmm. and constrictions that a professional brewer is. Mm-hmm. And and this and is if a you if great you, example if you. You know, use fresh liquid yeast, and you you know pitch appropriate rates, and you um, can control your fermentation temperature, right? And you have nice you know sanitary conditions. Yeah, you can make you know world class beer, the best beer in the world, mm-hmm. and you know like you're saying, better than commercial brewer can. You know, right. but you need all those other little things. You know, homebrewer are just slapping shit in the bucket and letting it go at whatever temperature. Right. It's like, well, sorry. Yeah, and and you need to under you need to be able to understand, you know, where uh, the where the where the goals and 
restrictions of these processes are. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not you're not trying to cripple yourself by emulating a commercial brewer. Well, probably the best way is to listen to uh, Bruce Strong. strong yeah, yeah. Just, just saying. Speaking of brewing strong, what you don't know about my friend John Palmer is he's an expert on water. <laughs> um, anyway, and Brian writes into uh, Palmy. He says, uh, "I have a question regarding my town's water supply." I've listened to all the shows on water adjustments, and I've used John's book as my Bible when, quote, making water from distilled. Um, I brewed a dozen batches with distilled, and I'm getting tired of paying for it. The reason I started with distilled, uh, blah, blah, anyway, his town pulls from, like, three different wells okay. or something like all that, right. right? So he's always been hesitant to send a sample out to the lab, blah, blah, blah. Uh, question, have you guys seen or heard of this kind of thing before? I'm afraid that the engineer in me is taking all of this way too seriously. And if yeah, I just send probably. one sample to a lab, the results will be close enough. Perhaps I should send three or four samples collected at different times of the year. Expensive. Well, so how should Brian plan to make his water? Yeah, as but it's as like possible? instead of sixteen bucks, it's like forty-five or fifty. Yeah. I, I I I think I would. I mean, where do you, where'd you say he was from, JP? Um. Damn you and your follow-up questions. Uh, Norfolk, Norfolk, Virginia. Virginia. May, uh, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Norfolk. Okay. Says. So, I mean, there you do have four seasons. It may be, <laughs> well, as opposed to Southern California, you we have 12 two. months yeah. as well. You have windy yeah. and hot. Yeah. But, I mean, so it, it may, it, it, if he's trying to be, you know, serious about uh, gauging his water and, and brewing to his water uh, at the, each time of the year, he may be should take four samples you know, quarterly uh, oh, one for each season southern california too because all your water from southern california comes from northern california right where we do have seasons <laughs> right. we have rain stolen from it's, but, it's all stolen from northern california yeah. but i mean it's mainly it's mainly snow melt so it's yeah. pretty low well wouldn't um, you just i mean maybe just invest hey, in all your wells filter. are dry down there aren't yeah. They? yeah well it's a desert why not just didn't invest in an ro filter and just make your own distilled water right. you could um, but I, I, he, the question he's asking is, you know, you know, how much, how, how much effort should he put into in understanding his source water? Ah, well, yeah. Um, and it, you know, he can, if you know, he's saying that his community pulls from three sources. Well, he could probably call them up and just have them tell him, you know, each time he, you know, the day before he brews or whatever, what the water profile is because they'll know. They'll the they. It's the sort of thing that a municipal uh, supplier checks every week, and we'll as soon as, especially of him calling every week and going, ah, <laughs> they don't, they don't care. Like, you know, they're, yeah, they're bored. The uh, I don't but, know. Uh, I think I called once and asked them, and they're just like, "What? No, maybe we can send you something." Yeah. You know, they they weren't going to divulge any information about water to me. Is I'm, it made with hydrogen and oxygen? Can't tell you. <laughs> I don't know. I've had better, I've had much better luck calling up, you know, wow. our suppliers. But that's you. They recognize the voice. Is that John Palmer? Oh yeah. Better, better <laughs> the velvet fog. What's going on? Um, but I, I seriously, I would I would have him call mm-hmm. and find out, um, you know, and or learn, you know, when you know they do switch sources uh, and what to expect. Okay. Sounds good to me. Well, I think, you know, I'm kind of along the same lines. It's like, I think you should put the effort into figuring out what your water is, but I, I wouldn't freak out about small differences. And I think True. the mun- municipalities try and keep it pretty even across the year, right? 
well, within the, a certain the, the, range. Fo- the focus of a municipal water, water supply is primary standards, which are contaminants, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. are pesticides, toxic metals. Right, but they also worry about their pipes and buildup yeah. of minerals and things like that, and so they try and keep it all within a certain range or you know, too high in acid or things like that. Right. And it tends not to wildly fluctuate from, right. you know, one extreme to the other. I mean, you know, it'll swing a bit, but, you know, yeah, your beers in the summer, it's like summer-winter. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's not like you know, and you need it 12 times a year if you're not commercially brewing. I think right. you can get away with two or three samples and send them off to Ward Labs, and that'll tell you. Yeah, and I think that's, in general, that's that's a good recommendation. Right. What I've learned in, in working on the water book has been that, you know, you every, everybody that supplies water, you know, they filter it, they, mm-hmm. they take mm-hmm. out, you know, organic odors. Right. Then as much um, crap out of it as it can. Yeah, they make it clear. They they make it free. They they adjust the pH to you know, um, seven, usually seven mm-hmm. to eight and a half range. And again, it's it's protecting their equipment more than it is right. Really, any sort of worry about what's going to happen at your end. Yeah. You, you know, and if they do switch sources during the year, it's you know the sources are usually fairly similar because mm-hmm. um, they all come generally from the same area. If you're in an area where there's a lot of Mountains with a lot of snow melt. You're in a valley near some mountains. You get a lot of snow melt, a lot of river water. Yeah. Where I live, they pull off the river and then they pull from the wells. And it depends on what time of the year. And yeah. That's a pretty. That's a, about as big a swing as you're going to get. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. And 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 brewing being the forgiving process that it is, if you just plan on mm-hmm. a you know amber to dark amber or copper colored beer style um your water will brew that just fine really no matter what it's well no matter what its composition is um <coughs> it's when you're you're trying to brew a very light beer or a very dark beer that you want to you want to take an extra step mm-hmm. and maybe def- and define or understand the water a little bit more mm-hmm. see if you're really trying to nail that style um the and when you when you brew with any water um you know, every professional brewer that I've talked to so far, um, or at least every every professional brewer should carbon filter their water to get mm-hmm. the chlorine and the chloramine out. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and if not you all do, of them do right, not well, all yeah. of them do. But if you know, if you're serious about nailing a beer style and brewing a superior beer, you can do that, and you will be ninety percent of the way there. You know, worrying about the mineral uh, composition is you know that extra 10 percent where you're mm-hmm. trying to really tailor the beer when you're trying to nail something yeah but, carbon uh, filter mm-hmm. it's it carbon filtration is 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 most of the way to achieving a great beer godliness yeah sounds good to me i think i've said that before. uh this is from afrobite also in the chat um he says i get high efficiency on my low gravity beers should I no sparge to lower my efficiency or go with a coarser crush or what? He'd like to get more consistent efficiency across his beers. So I guess his lower gravity beers, he's just that good of a brewer. Mm-hmm. He's getting too much. He's, he's having a, a problem dialing in his efficiency with, with something that uh, small of a grain And on higher gravity, he's getting less efficiency. 
See, and that sounds to me more like, you know, channeling or, you know, other issues mm-hmm. with with the mash with runoff, runoff speed. Right. Yeah, if you're getting if you're getting well, he say it again, he's he's getting higher gravity than he has expected. Yeah. He's yeah, he has a higher efficiency in his system when he's dealing with low gravity beers. So, I, hmm. I, not not to say necessarily that's See, linear again, so, so his high gravity beers are going to be lower. I'm just saying well, um, I don't know that. It must, must be by reason of logic, then. Yeah. That statement says that higher gravity is lower efficiency. Mm-hmm. And, and well, maybe what, he's and hitting his efficiency when it's higher gravity, but when, well, he, but when again, he drops but he's it getting down. Higher, when, he, yeah, when he drops it down, right. then, he, then it's higher. If it's higher, higher yeah. then it's lower than mm-hmm. the other one. All right, so, um, and, and what that means, assuming he's keeping the same mash ton for all of these, is yeah. when he gets a deeper grain bed, his efficiency is dropping. If his right. efficiency is dropping with a deeper grain bed, generally that means he's getting channeling or he's running off too fast or, you know, that he's using a different correct, ratio yeah. of water or something like that. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. So, you're using more grain, slow down a little bit. Okay. But when you're using less, you can pull off, or well, he may be putting enough water in there that that's pretty much you know like batch sparging or something. So 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 maybe his solution is to try to dial in his higher efficiency or his 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 higher what am I trying to say his well, stronger beer efficiency is to, when he gets you know his higher gravity beers that he's getting lower efficiency on dial that in and, and then make I mean, that my, your efficiency. I, I think just account for it. You know, yeah. if, if he's getting if he's getting five more points, you know. Uh, out of a low gravity beer, right. then next time you bruise it, then you know change his yeah, efficiency setting and throw drop. a little throw a little more grain in. But mm-hmm. if you know, and the, that's a simple. If he wants to really figure out what's going on, I, I imagine it is either like his lower gravity beers. They tend to be like a, a different color and mm-hmm. a different pH or something like that. Yeah, um, you know, and it's just something he hasn't noticed consistent consistency wise or. Um, he's running off too fast for you know that depth of grain bed, and he needs to you know slow it down or add more water or something like that, and that's the issue. Yeah. So there's some sort of little issue that way that could make it even out, and he could get the same efficiency off of both. Um, but like John saying, you know, you can just throw some more grain in, or you know, lower the amount of grain on the small one, or whatever it takes to make make the numbers work. That's fine, as long as it's consistent. That's all what's important. I think that's what yeah. you're saying, right, yeah. John? Right. Um, so consistency is an important thing. But if you really want to know what's going on and adjust it, it's one of those little things. Because your efficiency is going to change, it's going to lower as your gravity increases, right? It's just a, a cause and effect, right? Well, or is it not? Yeah, well, see, and he doesn't say. So, well, I mean, just you know, in general. Right. Not necessarily. If, yeah. You know, you get to a certain, you know, size beer, then there's a limit. Mm-hmm. But you sparge that remaining sugars out. But yeah. there's a certain mm-hmm. limit to, based on your water to grist ratio, how high a gravity wort you can extract. Right. Mm-hmm. For... For the you know the, the the OG of the beers that I do and for the styles of beer that I do, um, I I tend to choose an efficiency of about eighty five percent for my system, and I hit my numbers. You know, it doesn't matter the style. I know that the way the amount of time that I take to sparge, the way that I sparge, so my system is eighty five percent. And fuck, mine's sixty eight. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's really a lot of it. I mean, you you can have two brewers on the same system, yeah. But the way that they use it 
and you know they, that brewer, brewer A will be consistent, and brewer B can be consistent. They're going to have different efficiencies, and as long as runoff speed plays a big role, yeah, and and you know all the other factors that feed into overall efficiency. Yeah. Um, so you know don't don't get hung up on the fact that uh, you know you're getting one you know one style or group of beers to come in a little higher efficiency than the other um just now that you understand that you are getting that then adjust your recipe quantities accordingly mm-hmm. or or maybe look into channeling issues or something like right. that if you think that yeah, if you want to figure it out yeah otherwise it's not a big deal all righty let's take a short break and when we come back more of your questions after this What does craft beer mean to you? Is it a delicious way to support your town's local brewer? Or perhaps it's the perfect beverage to pair with those delicious devils on horseback. Regardless of whether you're thinking of pints or pairings, pilsners or porters, craftbeer.com is the site where craft beer lovers come together to learn and share. Craftbeer.com is brought to you by the Brewers Association and celebrates the best of American craft beer and its brewers. Craftbeer.com is the best place to find craft beer events, recipes, great feature stories, the most up-to-date brewery listings, and resources for your next beer tasting or dinner, like style guidelines, pairing mats, and charts. Get the inside scoop on new beer releases and special events from today's craft beer insiders and chime in to share your own knowledge, perfect pairings, road trips, recipes, and more. Craftbeer.com, celebrating the best of American beer. BN Army, Hop Tech has a great discount waiting for you. Do you often find it difficult to find specific specialty ingredients for your homebrew recipes? Well, listen to this. Hop Tech stocks 59 different grains to choose from, 39 varieties of pellet hops, and 8 kinds of whole leaf hops. And Hop Tech not only carries Y yeast and White Labs yeast for you, but also Fermentus, 04, 5, 6, 23, 33, and T58 Belgian yeast, plus Cooper's Nottingham and Windsor yeasts. Got your recipe ready to go? Pick up some great brew gear like new long and short sleeve shirts, games, and more. HopTech's new website is being updated every day with new items. If you don't see it, call the shop. They're open six days a week. BN Army and AHA members get a 10% discount, and active military personnel get 15% off. Visit HopTech.com today for great selection, great service, and a great discount. HopTech.com. Nico, listen, our lawyer said that we had to do this for one hour, and after this, we don't have to talk to each other for three more months and to the next meeting. Kids. Come on, let's get out of here. I'm supposed to have more lines. I'm the professional. <clears throat> hey, it's Sully. And I'm Nico. And we opened the 21st Amendment nine years ago at 563 2nd Street in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park, to make great beer and have a great time doing it. That's right, because to us, the 21st Amendment is more than just the right to make beer. It's the right to experiment, to be innovative, and just do things differently. And so now, we're putting our craft beer in cans. That's right, cans. You can find our world-famous Hell or High Watermelon Wheat Beer and Brew Free or Die IPA throughout California and Alaska. And now, it's also available on draft at select accounts in the Bay Area. So next time you're at your local neighborhood pub or good beer store, be sure to ask for 21st Amendment in cans. Because everyone likes it in a can. Tasty Crack Cans. Tasty Crack Cans. Williams Brewing is your online resource for prompt delivery of quality home brewing supplies. 
Since 1979, Williams Brewing has offered the finest equipment and freshest ingredients and the best customer service in the business. Cut hours off your brewing sessions by using one of our 11 varieties of famous Williams malt extract. Our Williams Belgian Pale Extract is mashed with pure Belgian two-row malt and a small percentage of Belgian wheat malt for an authentic Belgian character you just can't get from other extracts. Or check out our unique fermenters, two-and-a-half-gallon kegs, paintball tank-based draft beer equipment, bottling aids, and much more. We even have our own line of precision hydrometers. Go to williamsbrewing.com to browse our vast selection. That's williamsbrewing.com. Orders placed by 3.30 p.m. Pacific time ship the same day. Brewing is easy. The Williams way. Hi, this is John from Grain and Grape in Melbourne, Australia. This has been a big year for us. We've just celebrated our 21st birthday and we've been voted best home brew shop in Australia. We reckon that makes us pretty much the best brew shop in the Southern Hemisphere. Now we've got the ultimate fix for all you space-poor, time-poor and lapsed brewers. The all-in-one Braumeister is now at Grain and Grape and it's a beauty. There are 20, 50 and 200 litre systems. It lets you complete a temperature-controlled mash, boil and cool, all within the same stainless steel mains-powered unit. So if you live in an apartment, you don't have the time to complete a traditional brew day or just plain lazy, you can be brewing beautiful all-grain beer more quickly than ever. We're also now making our own range of small-batch fresh work kits on the 200 litre system right here in the warehouse. Just one last thing. Mention the Brewing Network next time you're ordering online or over the phone to receive freight free on your next order of up to 15 kilos. Check out grainandgrape.com.au for conditions. Back to your hosts, Jamil Zanashef and John Palmer. Putting the testicles in technical. This is Brew Strong. Woohoo! We're back. We are back. You want to jump right into it? Yeah, let's jump. Jump right in. Uh, this one's from Secret Lab in the chat. Secret Lab would love to take one of the courses, homebrewing courses for his BGCP, uh, but was wondering if there is a cheaper or free resource for, as he says, us Poe folk to refine our palates, learn about beer flavors and flaws. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'll tell you, Blue it's, Ribbon. It's called thebrewingnetwork.com. Uh, check out the Jamel show. The earlier shows that we did. Uh, there you go. The Jamel show. That's um, we did every BJCP style, and we did a show on every single one of them. We talked about the beers, what makes the style, you know, how to brew it, um, you know, some tasting notes, things like that, examples. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that it really helped them a lot in preparing for the exam. So I would suggest that. And then if you go to the BJCP site, they have all the or sample questions that cover all the, the various stuff on the website. You can get those questions, write yourself examples of those. And um, uh, what else would you use? Uh, then, and then they also list books. That uh, you know, there's a, a number of uh, books, great books like uh, Brewing, Classic Brewing Classic Styles that's recommended by the BJCP for their uh, you know styles and um, Brewing New Lager Beer and How to Brew and um, 
uh, you know, a couple other books that uh, they pull information from for the exam. So if you read all those books, you listen to all those shows, you drink all those beers, you go read through the style guide multiple times, try and memorize that stuff, um, you should be good to go. Yeah, and the one thing that helped me in studying for the BJCP exam was making flashcards uh-huh. of the style and the parameters, the key right. parameters. Right. And just, you know, flipping through flashcards, that was a good way to memorize them. Yep. There you go. Old school. Love mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and it's, you know, relatively cheap. Uh, this one is from our friend Bungchas. Bungchas says, I usually fly sparge um, using a rotating sparge arm, but during my last brew day, the sparge arm broke because I'm poor. There's the theme going on here. Uh, because I'm poor, I'm trying to just use that same equipment while brewing. Can I just sparge with a tube from my hot liquor tank to the top of my grain bed if I keep an inch or two above the grain bed, or will I lose a lot of efficiency due to channeling? So does your sparge arm need to rotate, or does it no. not? Sparge arms aren't necessary. Yeah. Probably makes go. zero difference. Straight from the mouth of babes. You know what I'm trying to say? Mm-hmm. This is from... Yeah, let's go. Let's, go. let's do someone else who hasn't asked a question yet. Dead Lemming. Oh, yes. In the chat. He says he's repitched WLP001, SF Logger, and Pac-Man yeasts for five or so batches each now. After about the third repitch, he's noticed that all of a sudden the beers start giving him severe cases of colon blow flatulence. <laughs> Batches are lagered for a couple weeks and looked clear. Has the yeast become less flocculent, or as he puts it, is my bowel just full of yeast now? I find now that I need to filter and fine in addition to just lagering to avert the colon. Well, if he sees that the, the beers are cloudy... And yeah, what happened? And, and yeast will flocculation patterns change very rapidly within a generation or two, or a repitch or two. Mm-hmm. You can change flocculation patterns, and this happens on logger repitching all the time, to where it becomes very dusty right away, hmm. and you'll never get the the yeast to settle out. Now, if he sees cloudy yeast in there, then that's obviously obviously the thing. He needs to change his manner of repitching and selecting. And what usually happens is. People, they especially back when people believed in this thing about secondary and all that crap, um, they would, you know, the initial yeast fell, and they would rack the beer off of that, and they'd throw that yeast away. And then what they would collect is the, the, the last yeast, the very latest to flocculate yeast would fall out, and that's what they'd repitch, and they'd keep doing that, and then you, you get yeast that won't flocculate at all. Right. So um, as long as he's not doing that, then it's something else that he's doing. Um, but it's it's how you select and repitch your yeast and how you're treating your yeast will change flocculation. If the beer's not clouding up and you don't see the, the cloudiness of the yeast in suspension, then it's all in your imagination. It's related to something else, you know. All right. Awesome. Uh, this one is, again, from the chat with uh, a new friend, Butt Widget. Butt Widget. Butt Widget. And Butt Widget asks, what value are oxycaps when bottling? How do they work? If they are desiccants, <laughs> I can't read, um, aren't they saturated since they sit out in the open air at the local homebrew shop? Are they worth using? How should I handle them? If I soak yeah. some in sanitizer while bottling and they don't use them, can I use them again no. and have the oxygen absorbing properties? Because yeah, as soon as they get wet, they start to... That's how they the activate, oxygen. right? Yeah. 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 It's the moisture. So they're fine if they're sitting out because it takes 
moisture to activate it. Right, unless you get a real humid environment, then I think that might screw them up. But, yeah, like um, if you're in Nevada. Or yeah, a lot of people say don't even wet them before you put them on. That mm-hmm. it, you know, the oxygen absorption happens so quickly that, you know, it doesn't help if you, like, throw them in a container of sanitizer and five minutes later put them on your bottle it's like yeah. too late so I don't know right. uh, another one from the chat well an, an yes. interesting thing uh oh and here's you, know, you were up at Sierra Nevada recently right Sierra Nevada switched over to um, you know a better ceiling crown cap and found yeah. that more important because you put a crown cap on if it sucks all the oxygen out if you're capping on foam there's no not a whole lot of oxygen anyways right um but the crown cap leaks past the seal, and you're getting oxygen into the bottle continuously. That's much worse for the beer than worrying about that. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. After capping on foam, uh, Sierra Nevada gets you know twenty to thirty parts per billion of oxygen in the headspace, mm-hmm. and um, as you say, they you know they trace further oxygen from coming in through the seal. Mm-hmm. Um, so the oxygen absorption. You know, if and especially if you're capping on foam or getting it mm-hmm. wet right away, it's used up. Right. And now, you know, you still have oxygen able to mm-hmm. go in under the seal over time. And this is why cans are so good: is that um, less leakage of oxygen into the can. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you still have to, yeah, still have get, to purge right. when you, you get, initially can it. Right, you get more oxygen initially, but less leakage over time. Right, than you do in a bottle. So, uh, interesting. All right. Um, again from the chat with Beal. Hi, Jamil, John, and JP. Hi, Beal. Jennifer Beal? Jennifer Who? Oh, wouldn't that be nice? Mm. Yeah, um, somehow I doubt it. John. Mm. Mm-hmm. What difference is there, if any, between wheat malt and torrefied wheat? Are they interchangeable in a wheat beer recipe? Yeah, torrefied wheat is like puffed wheat. Yeah. So, um... What is it? Rice, yeah, not Rice Krispies. Um, what's the rice uh, puffs or golden super, puffs super or, sugar smacks? Yeah, they're puffed. Yeah. They're puffed uh, barley or whatever they are. So they what did they they uh, put them in Torfied. moisture and then they they like popcorn and they, yeah and they pop and they puff up and it exposes more of the starches to enzymatic reaction, but it's not converted. Wheat right. malt is actually been converted. Um, it's undergone, well, malting, malting, right? Which is an enzymatic breakdown mm-hmm. uh, and release of the starches versus torrefication, which is a heat, re- you know, an expansion mm-hmm. and cooking of the starches mm-hmm. to make them mm-hmm. soluble. Well, how does that compare to um, uh, flaking, where they run it, they they uh, moisturize it and run it through a mill and uh, they turn out those flakes, like uh, wheat flakes or you know rye flakes or something like that, and that gelatinizes it. Yeah, as well, doesn't it? Generally, um, flaking of the cereal grain um, does not achieve as complete a solubilization or a gelatinization is mm-hmm. the proper word of the starches mm-hmm. as torrefication does. Mm. Um, so your torrefied wheat can be added directly to the mash. Um, it's they've been heat converted to soluble form. Mm-hmm. Um, so should people use popped corn instead of flaked corn? 
You can, but the, then you need to use air popped with no seasoning, no butter. Because you know, I was thinking a couple of bags of Orville Redenbacher in the microwave. Throw that in. There. Yeah, well, it's it's the other you know the other stuff that's on there that you don't want in the beer. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh-huh. it, you can you can seriously do that. Um, the entorified wheat versus malted wheat. Uh, malted wheat, of course, needs to be mashed mm-hmm. because it's it's an enzymatic. Well, torrified wheat does as well. Well, yes, you have the but you can, yeah. I, I, if you're converting the starch to sugar, yes, that is very true. I guess I was thinking in terms of um, the amount of time needed in the mash mm-hmm. to, you know, you might but, get uh, a higher efficiency extract from torrefied weed versus yeah. the weed, or yeah, potentially, or flaked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's true, and because the malted wheat, you're gonna you got to crush, you got to you know mm-hmm. start the whole mashing process. Torrified uh, has the, the starches are much more readily accessible. Right, a, a lot of efficiency is based off of how easily the enzymes can yeah. smush up against the starch uh, particles. Right, right. So the torrified will convert faster. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. is what I was trying to say. Yeah, probably more efficiently if uh, yeah, especially against a milled grain where you have chunks. Right, where you know water doesn't get in or barely gets in and. Mm-hmm. And and because of the the torrefied wheat or the flaked wheat or you know these other processes, you know it's different than the malting process. Mm-hmm. It's you know there's you're going to get a you're end up getting a different flavor out right. of the grain, right? Because um, malting does develop flavor as well yeah. as the drying and kilning and all that stuff, right? So though that's the basic differences between the two. You're going to have some some subtle flavor differences. You're going to have some mm-hmm. conversion efficiency differences. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, go ahead and use what you have. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. All right. That's pretty good. Uh, this is from Brian. That's pretty good. That was excellent. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I good. from what I heard. I, which, which you understood. Okay. Which wasn't like much. A, yeah. not, none of it. I heard yeah. cereal and then sugar smacks. Uh, and, and then you went and had a bowl of cereal. You came back. We're almost done. Well, yeah. And then it was like, that was it. So yeah. that's what I heard. So. I was having this torrid conversation. Torrified? Yes. Right. Uh, Brian Sacramento says, Hi, Jamil and John. Really enjoy your show. I keg and bottle beers. What great. <laughs> Me too. Uh, my keg beers always taste fresh and clean, just as they should, for a very long time, as long as the keg lasts. My bottle beers develop an off flavor. I can't really describe it, but it's always there. It's not a good flavor, not a bad flavor, but not the fresh beer flavor I expect. In general, the beer will taste good, young after uh, one week in a bottle good at uh two weeks in a bottle and somewhere around four weeks into the bottle this other flavor comes on and the flavor profile seems to stabilize at that point i clean all my equipment and sanitize for priming i've used corn sugar but i've also tried dry malt extract it almost tastes like some of the hot flavor drops out and the malt flavor comes more to the front versus the same beer in the keg any thoughts on what i should look to to change i'd like Mm -hmm. to join some competition so i need to bottle beer for that and of course it's nice to share with friends i mean if you're getting this kind of a malty sweet thing then you know i would tend toward oxidation or you know warm storage or something like that if you're storing them warm and your keg's cold well there's a a big part of your difference but generally when somebody says hot flavors dropping out yeah but when generally somebody says four weeks in it tastes tastes bad it's like well that's an infection hmm. so hard to say without tasting it but yeah you know staling yeah. within four weeks 
That doesn't sound right. Unless you got oh. really leaky caps and you're... Storing them warm. Storing them warm. I think that uh, chances are it's an infection. Speaking of infections... Ah. <laughs> I was going to go with torrid, but then we jumped right to the next question. That was my torrid would have been a good segue, but speaking of infections, or torrid infections, fellas, gals, are you looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Been fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com, and for a limited time only, you'll get 50% off just about any item. So if you select your one item of 50% off, they're also going to give you three free adult DVDs, and you're going to get a free extra gift so sensual, I can't mention it on air. Not to top it all off, right, and to top it all off, they will throw in free shipping on your entire order. So check out adamandeve.com today for the special offer. You'll get 50% off one item when you type Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, for your offer code. And then when you do, you get the three free DVDs, the free extra gift, and the free shipping. So essentially you're buying one item at half off, mm-hmm. and then you get a whole other stuff for free. DVDs, free extra gift, free shipping. So for a little bit of money, you get a whole bunch of stuff. It's well worth checking that out. Use the offer code Jamel, J-A-M-I-L, at adamandeve.com, or you can check their mobile site, m.adamandeve.com, and uh, do all the same stuff there and have lots of fun. Good good sponsor. Uh, you know, give them your support. You're turning into a nice VO guy. You know that? Sort of. <laughs> there you go. Hey. Hey, now. Hey, now. Speaking guys, of hey, now. Yeah. Well, let's take a short break. Oh, when you we want to take a short break? We, can we, will, short break. we will wrap up this extravaganza. <laughs> Back after this. When Blickman Engineering set out to design a great brewing stand, they knew it had to be strong, adaptable, and last for a lifetime. The top-tier brewing stand is now proudly available at BlickmanEngineering.com. It grows with your brewing skills and equipment. Start with 5-gallon coolers on its heavy-gauge stainless steel shelves. Then move all the way up to 30-gallon pots on the high-output burner tiers. Speaking of burners, the custom Blickman Engineering top-tier burners are extremely powerful, efficient, and amazingly quiet. They have safety stops to center your pot and they'll last a lifetime and won't rust the top tier brewing stand allows virtually infinite combinations from traditional gravity systems to two tiers to completely horizontal configure your stand the way you want and have the freedom to change it at any time in the future your brewing stand should adapt with you not force you to learn a new process visit blickmanengineering.com today to configure your top tier brewing stand and to find a local blickman retailer you'll be surprised with all the flexible features and the competitive price start brewing with blickman from the top tier in a world where everything has been lost what happened to the city it's in ruins only one man has the ancient knowledge to restore civilization Uh, i need a drink No, the liquor store's been ransacked. You looking for beer, stranger? (laughs) Boy, all the liquor got drunk up in the first 25 minutes of the apocalypse. Wait, there's still some bottles over... Oh, no. Those are non-alcoholic beer. (laughs) I reckon you better stick to arrowroot tea and a desperate nomadic existence like the rest of us. People, I'm a home brewer. I know how to make alcohol. Come with me if you want the beer. Okay, I'm gonna need 
with some big plastic buckets. He is the chosen one. The prophecies say that he's going to get us wasted. Someone start heating water. And From the creators of Northern Brewer, the people who brought you $7.99 Brew Saver Shipping, massive selection, and superior customer service comes... Hi, I'm Jamel Zanishef, and in addition to my work on the Brewing Network, I write the style profile column in every issue of Brew Your Own magazine. Hi, I'm Sean Paxton, and when I'm not prepping for the home-brewed chef on the Brewing Network, you can find me writing articles on how to cook with your homebrew for Brew Your Own magazine. Greetings, cretins. This is John Palmer, and when I'm not writing for Brew Your Own, I'm reading it. John Palmer, Sean Paxton, Jamil Zanishev. If you love listening to them on the Brewing Network, you'll love reading their articles, tips, and recipes in the pages of Brew Your Own magazine. Join Jamil, John, and Sean eight times a year in Brew Your Own. And when you subscribe to BYO on the Brewing Network website, half of your subscription price goes right back to the BN to support great beer and food programming. So sign up for Brew Your Own magazine through the BN website today so you can listen and read. Read your way to better homebrew. Hey, what are you doing, man? Writing a review of WLP 400. What? You're reviewing yeast? Yeah. White Labs has homebrewer reviews of all their strains. Are you new to these interwebs? Check it out. That's awesome. White Labs, your source for great yeast, invites all brewers to visit whitelabs.com to read and write your own reviews of all their yeast strains. Get real-world tips and tricks from other brewers who have made the most of their vials and post your own experiences. It's another way White Labs brings you closer to the best yeast on the planet. And send. There you go. You misspelled flocculate, dude. What? Ah. Uh. White Labs. It's all in the vial. Back to the beer guys that make other beer guys look like wine guys. Brew strong. Put one pan. All right, we're back, and uh, we're just about to wrap up the show, but I'll tell you what, we'll take the rest of our questions from the uh, live chat, because uh, we appreciate you guys listening in live and uh, supporting the show, so... It's a nice thing to say. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll take all the rest from the uh, live chat. We'll save the email ones for, for next time, and uh, you guys in live chat, uh, you'll get the, the last few questions we'll do. Uh, this is from Crude Brew Crew. He asks, uh, I've seen Heretic at a few different events like Stone Anniversary Party and blah, blah, blah. Do most of the events contact Heretic to attend, or uh, do you find that you have to do most of the contact? I'm assuming that was left over from our pro shows. Uh, yeah, no, they all contact us. Um, awesome. You know, you find if you open a brewery, you'll get endless emails you'll asking, for, asking for events and the homebrewers asking for lots of free stuff. And you'll get um, homebrew events asking for lots of free stuff. And if you were to fill all of those, you'd cripple like Sam Adams with those requests. It's amazing how much comes in. And you'd love to fill it all. It's just, you know, it's just financially unworkable. Um, It's a tough thing. 
this one is from Mazer. Uh, how do you guys label and catalog your bottled homebrews? Um, I, I guess specifically Jamal, because you had, you know... Uh, Thousands and thousands. He goes, I've heard he has uh, kept bottles for years. Uh, Mazer's collection of batches is growing, and he has trouble keeping his batches organized. Right. Well, you need your own little, like, walk-in, and that helps. And what I would do is I would number um, per batch the tops of the bottles with a Sharpie. So if it was batch 297, I'd write a 297 on there. Um, I kept a log, a spreadsheet of every batch and, you know, how many I had left over. And I would maintain that when I pulled stuff for drinking or for competitions. On the outside of the boxes, I would put a sheet that had the batch number, the name, and how many quantity were in the box. So I would go ahead and put one of those on every box. And as I pulled things out, I'd cross out the number and write the new number. Um and then every once in a while, I'd consolidate boxes down, and just that's how I did it. Worked uh, well for me. John, what about you? I, or do you have an extensive cellar, necessarily? I don't, actually. See, neither do I. I mean, I have a chest freezer and a stand-up kegerator. Uh, yep. I mean, I have some bottles in there, but right. you know, I don't really bottle for like hardcore competition stuff. So, yeah, and I, I've never, never done, done that. On I've me. always, yeah. I've always had the beer of the moment. And then various lives for the moment. You know, commercial beers that, yeah, I'm saving. Well, he's much more sensitive, I think, oh, than yeah. you are. Yeah, you that's know. true. I'm Palmer has cold-hearted bastard. <laughs> you have one feeling. Yeah, no, that, I'm just that much one lazier. feeling led me to have like 1,200 bottles of beer on hand. Oh, that's true. So there you uh, go. There's yeah. a show for that called Hoarders. Hoarders. <laughs> you should check it out. Uh, this is another one from our buddy Beer Biggin. Um, he wants to know if there are any beer ingredients that could be lethal to yeast. He doesn't have any um, specifics. Oxygen? But, well, you know, brewing ingredients. Oxygen. Well, I guess oxygen. Yeah, right. Uh, nutrients, uh, zinc, copper. Um, yeah. But the one I think that, more along the lines. Like, well, I guess his, his follow-up question was, uh, our homebrew club sand. has a chance of getting tequila barrels. Uh-huh. Um, oh. What flavor notes can be expected from a used oak tequila barrel other than tequila flavors? Um, I don't oak. know. Maybe there's something there that might mess with the, um, the uh, yeast. Or you probably don't get a lot of oak any, tequila barrels. So probably like yeah, new, they're all neutral. They're probably neutral wine yeah. barrels that have been yeah. repurposed. Just so, the alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Alcohol. And there's some flavors with tequila. But there's no like weird juniper berry. If you use too much of that, your yeast won't. No, no. I wouldn't right. worry about that. Mm-hmm. Sounds good to me, dude. Well, and I wouldn't ferment in the barrels anyways. I would make your beer, ferment it, and then add it to the tequila barrel to age and absorb mm. the tequila flavors. True. Um, J.C. McCoy's asks, what are good beers to make for... Uh, oh, excuse me. What are good beers to make to harvest yeast? Uh, like for Cal Ale, English Ale, Belgian Ale. I, I guess that's a follow-up to your to your ask your other question. Right. First, when I read it, I thought it was, uh, what beers are base be- good base beers for harvest ales? But um, right. I'm stupid, um, and it took me this long for to the English sales. You know, milds, ordinary bitters. Um, for uh, Cal Ale, um, the Scottish ales, the sixty shilling, seventy shilling. Um, for um, lagers, it's you know like a light pilsner. Um, Belgians, you know, some Belgian pale ale or something like that. All right. 
Great. Uh, last question. All righty. Uh, again Yay. from JC. He says, uh, for Jamil's Christ. Whirlpool chiller, yeah. do you leave the chiller in the boil kettle after the Whirlpool is done, or would you take it out? He wants to know if pulling out the chiller will mix everything back up. I would leave it in. When it whirlpools, it does tend to pull the stuff to the middle of the whirlpool. What mm-hmm. happens is the liquid in the center of the column is moving slower, so everything kind of drifts there and then settles down. So after that's occurred, if you lift out the whirlpool chill, you probably could, and it wouldn't be a big deal, but I just leave it in. Yeah. It's sanitary at that point. Um, and then you know, give it 20, 30 minutes for the rest to fully settle to the bottom, and then you should be good to go. And that's it from the chat. All right, another fine show. It was. It was. Wasn't it? Beautiful January here in Pacheco, California. <laughs> sunny, 70 sunny, degrees. Sunny January in Pacheco, yes. And if you like to keep uh, hearing us enjoy the sunny weather in Pacheco, California, <laughs> uh, make sure to check out our sponsors, uh, BlickmanEngineering.com, especially, uh, you know, they're they're paying for the show so you don't have to, and uh, AdamandEve.com, they're, they're doing the same. So check, right. check those folks out. Uh, all good companies that uh, sponsor the show, and uh, we'd like to see you support them so they continue to support us. Uh, also, check out the Brewing Network store. There's uh, a lot of goodies in there. You go to thebrewingnetwork.com slash store, and you can see glassware, shirts, hoodies, yep. uh, hats. Lunch uh, meat shirts. Lunch autograph meat shirts. Books. Autograph, autograph books. books. You can get autographed copy of How to Brew there. You can get uh, a lot of other books out of that store. And uh, everything you purchase is all quality stuff. It's all been vetted by the, the Brewing Network team and... The profit from that all goes to the the, the bottom line of the brewing network. So um, you know, oh, support your homebrew shops. But uh, if you got something you need to buy that uh, they don't offer, you know, check out that brewing network store. You can find some goodies there, and uh, really helps the bottom line. Goodies. All right. So uh, until then, uh, make sure you uh, brew strong. Brew strong, everybody. <laughs>